0: The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball.
1: Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. guyer to the wall. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue.
0: Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. On the line-up, he pitches. Adamus,
2: launches one way up into the air in the left field. This one's got a chance, turning Benintendi, Willie Adamus with his first big-league hit. It's a home run against Chris Sale. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our latest show. Today we'll chat with Mike Zanino, one of six catchers the Rays have now used this season. Doug Wechter from Fox Sports Sun will join us to discuss the crazy week on by. We'll look at AAA Durham with manager Brady Williams, and we'll introduce you to Charlotte pitching prospect Mike Plassmeyer. Plus, we'll look at the Yankees in the AL East with Eric Boland of Newsday. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and our feature guest this week is one Mike Zanino. And Mike, obviously this has been a pretty good first month and a half for you in a lot of ways what has been most enjoyable
3: about the experience so far and has it been better than
2: you might have expected
3: yeah I think for, for me first and foremost is just being able to be so close to home and experience all this so close to home uh, you know being able to share these experiences with Alyssa with our family and and play in front of a crowd that I've played in front of before but a sort of local crowd and it's been it's just really cool all around how many ticket requests or
2: more of you has that been hard to the extra requests
3: you know why there was a few but nothing over the top you know I, I get some good friends and family that know that you know it, it's it's a lot sometimes and they respect that but uh you I mean so far it hasn't been over the top we'll see I mean we keep playing like this and some big teams rolling there may be some big ticket requests coming in real quick <laughs> How much are you
2: enjoying playing uh, the American League East schedule and some teams that obviously have some pretty impressive traditions?
3: yeah I mean it, it it's something that I've always enjoyed uh, when I was in Seattle coming over here playing you I mean obviously you have New York Boston uh, you mean I've always enjoyed traveling to Toronto and Baltimore, but then obviously Tampa's home you know it's close to home, so you know for me it was it was really cool uh, obviously the traditions in, in New York and Boston, and just being able to soak those up playing in some historic parks against some some well franchised teams is is a lot of fun.
2: And the competition level, I mean, obviously you came from a, a college background where you play the best of the best all the time. I think most people consider the, this division to be the greatest
3: challenge. You feel the same so far? Yeah, I mean, when you look at it top to bottom, it's, it's very strong, you know, and it's one of those things, when, whether it's lineups or, or, or rotations or, or bullpens, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things, and, and we're going to have to beat the best if we want to be the best, so I think we're up to the challenge. It's fun, and it makes you bring your A game every day.
2: Chatting with Mike Zanino on this week in Race Baseball, and, and Mike, um, you know, you mentioned your wife Alyssa, the first child. Uh, then you came back and hit the homers and back-to-back games. Where did those moments rank in terms of the things that you've accomplished in the game at the big league level?
3: Right at the top. And, you know, it, sometimes it's some, those things where it, it's small things like that that you're going to remember. I mean, there's some, there's some great accolades that you mean catching a no-hitter, hitting a walk-off homer. But, you know, when you go back and tell stories, you mean that's going to be a story that I tell for a long time. Rhett may be tired of me telling him it, but uh, you know it, it's something that you know I'll remember and I'll cherish for a very long time. you getting any sleep these days, and how much are you getting at a time and i, I am you know he he's been great, you know uh it, it was it, it was nice early uh, i I've taken in some shifts when I've come home. But my wife's done a great job of that. I've been able to get some rest. And, uh, you know, it's just nice to come back here, get our work in and play a game and and get back home and spend some time with the family.
2: Your dad's skills so far, diaper changing, that kind of stuff. How are you?
3: I'm hopefully graded out well. So far, so good. Uh, You know, feeding, diaper changes, all that stuff. But, uh, you know, it's just been such a cool experience. It's been so fun to... Uh, You mean sort of learn on the go and, and just sort of adapt as it goes, but there's no better feeling. You came from a baseball family. What would it mean to see Rhett someday playing baseball too? it'd be awesome you know it's one of those things where you know as as you see him as you meet him you just want the best for him so whatever he wants to do i'll support wherever he wants to go and if he wants to take up in the baseball footsteps i'll be more than willing to help him along the way your
2: um, dad obviously has worked in the professional game for a long time what are your earliest memories as a kid in the game and and did you always want to play baseball
3: yeah just always being around the the yard you know obviously he's my dad's been with cincinnati for a long time but i mean i remember going to spring trainings in sarasota i remember meeting some guys there and being able to get on the field and you know those are those are things that I remember and you know it would be really cool you mean to to have my son grow up and you mean hopefully the playing career is long enough where I can bring him in the clubhouse and I can have him meet everybody and enjoy that time and he can say the same stuff. Did you want to be a catcher all the time and if not when did you think you wanted to catch? Oh man I, I played shortstop through my freshman year of high school caught a little bit and then I started catching in high school uh, fell in love with it how the game worked from back there uh And then really fell in love with it at the the college level uh was able to learn a lot was able to learn the nuances of it and uh just a position that you know not the easiest a little bit demanding but uh, when you get into the intricacies of it it's it's awesome.
2: who was the catcher or catchers that you admired? When you started doing it?
3: Oh, man. Growing up, uh, I mean, the Marlins were the, the only team around then, so I was watching Charles Johnson a lot. Javi Lopez was always the on there. Pudge was up there, you know. So those were the games that I got a lot um, and ended up watching. But I think, I mean, everybody dreamt when they were a catcher to be able to throw like Pudge. Did you ever
2: get to were you able to go down and see the field level? Do you remember games that you went to? Did you sit in the bleachers? What are your best memories at a major league park as a kid?
3: Yeah, uh, a little bit of everything. I remember being able to play travel ball and being able to buy $5 tickets here. And when this, it was the beach section out in the trap and we'd come buy $5 tickets and watch games with some buddies and, you know, just being able to, you know, hopefully – good Lord willing, come and play at this level one day, and sure enough, I get traded over here, and I get to play in the same park that I once wished I could. You mentioned your dad has obviously been a long time with the Reds. Did you ever hope the two of you would be in the same organization
2: at the same time, or is it kind of good that you're separate?
3: Yeah I mean luckily I mean him being a scout we would have never ran in with any coaching stuff but uh, I mean it would have been interesting Uh, he always joked saying that uh, he would never put a report in for me because it'd probably be the toughest one because he knew he knew my weaknesses and and he would have to put that in the report so uh, you know uh, it, it didn't work out that way but you never know there's still some time.
2: How is your dad like you and how much do you guys talk baseball versus other stuff?
3: yeah I mean it it's obviously been you mean know, the forefront of of our family you know him being a scout him being able to go to baseball games a lot I've learned a lot from him you know and and now it's you know he, he may you I mean I, I got to protect what I say now I don't know I don't want to give him any secrets that what we're doing over here. But, uh, no, it's one of those things where there's always a lot of conversation about it. Does
2: he ever give you info, though, about, uh, for instance, you know, the last homestand you guys played Arizona. You don't play Arizona very often. Yeah. He scouts the National League. Does he ever give you some info?
3: Not too I mean, it's tough. I mean, we, we get so much here, uh, you know. It, it's nothing on that personal or that professional level, but uh, just more just about the game and how everything's going.
2: And he met um, your mom in Italy, right? Yeah. So how much have you ever gone – I know, obviously, do you go back there
3: very often? And- uh, not very often. I've been over there a couple of times. But, uh, yeah, he, he met her playing ball over there, and uh, they ended up moving back. You know, it was just one of those things where, you know, j- just you never know when you're going to meet somebody. I read in your – how did you meet Alyssa then? High school. Yeah, I met Alyssa in high school. We were, uh, we were sophomores in high school. And uh, we we knew each other a little bit and sort of crossed paths in the hallways one day and have been together ever since.
2: When did you think this was the person you wanted to spend the rest of your life with because you guys have been together now yeah.
3: for a while? I, w- I would say getting into college, you know, we had she, she went and played uh, collegiate soccer. I went and, and uh, played baseball at Florida, and it was one of those things where we had to spend a year apart, and, you know, it was one of those things where you really understand how you want to be with the person and how long you want to... You mean how much you miss them during that time? And it it was sort of then, and, you know, we ended up getting engaged after uh, the – fall of my junior year. I think one of the neat things
2: that you kind of show love for her is after you hit a home run when she's not there. Tell her fans about
3: that and how did it start? She took sign language in high school as her foreign language and it was one of the first things she taught me in sign language and I started that a few years ago as I hit a home run and uh, you know, it's sort of something I uh, picked up some esteem and uh, you know, she's been in my corner ever since day one and supports me, travels, you know and has been my biggest supporter and you know, it's not an easy career, you know, so to be able to have her in my corner and do that. So the least I can do is show her some love and uh, do that when I can.
2: So you actually sign I love you when you get in the yep. dugout or if you see her in the stands? One or the other.
3: She, she hasn't been able to come yet with the little guy here. So it's usually been to the camera. Being that you've got the Italian background how would I, I've read your cooking skills are pretty good or you and Alyssa like to Cook a bit we do we do they're not bad, you know Alyssa does a lot of cooking I like to throw some stuff on the barbecue, uh, you know it, They're definitely serviceable, you know I'll let her you the heavy lifting on a lot of stuff, but if it comes to throwing some stuff on the grill I, I can hold my own all right um, What's
2: the favorite dish of hers that uh, you enjoy?
3: Oh, man? We do a lot of seafood. Being from Florida, being out in Seattle, we're able to get a lot of fresh seafood. So we'll throw that on the grill, whether it's salmon or you mean anything of that sort. So, you know, we, we like to just go shop for the day and, and just cook whatever we feel that day. It's still a while before the Rays do see Seattle. What is it going to mean to you when
2: you come across that team and those guys for the first time since the trade
3: yeah yeah I haven't put too much thought into it it's crossed my mind every now and then but you mean it's been some some great times over there I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I had over there and you know be it'll be fun there's still some guys that have been there since my my first day over there so it'll be nice to catch up with those guys and and I still do now a lot of good friendships I have over there and that's the cool part about this game.
2: Your comfort level seems so tremendous with this group right now. Has it
3: come faster than you would have thought? Yeah, you know, it. it didn't hit me until about a week before a week before spring training that it's a totally new clubhouse, totally new guys. But, you know, it's just such an energetic, light group here that it's easy to get to know guys. And, uh, you know, I want to be as transparent as possible. I want guys to feel like I'm showing them who I really am so they can feel the same way with me. And, uh, you know, being able to play well, you mean, as a team, I think lightens everybody up and, and, and speeds up that process. Has this been as much fun as you've had in Major League Baseball? 100 percent you know this this group is is awesome a lot of fun obviously we're playing well Uh, just the atmosphere that that we play with here Uh, it's very laid back the guys get their work in and uh, you know it takes a takes a lot of pressure off a player and uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh, looking forward to continuing that through the year. How often did
2: you have a specific guy like Paul Hoover to work with the catchers and what has he meant to your
3: game? On an everyday basis in the major leagues, I've never had one. We've had guys that have been in charge of catchers that would come in and out in Seattle, but to have a guy day in and day out, you know, I get video clips of stuff, you mean, for after... The next morning after games, just to dissect on stuff, just to be able to, you mean, keep the game as sharp as possible. And, you know, it's it's been a tremendous blessing for me because I haven't had that help. He's helped me figure out parts of my game that I can get better in. And we, we've been able to do stuff, and he's brought stuff to my attention that we can do to just sort of iron some stuff out, and it, it's really helped.
2: And from a comfort level, where are you now with the staff? I mean, it's—I know it's a constant process, but how com- You seem very comfortable with the group.
3: Yeah, I, I feel like we're, we're good, and I think that the biggest thing is—is is it's. It's always going to grow you know guys are always making adjustments whether it's pitch usage whether it's location whether it's you mean little things sign sets at second or tendencies or sequences so these are always conversations that we're having those are stuff that's always going to change and always going to build but when it comes to their stuff and how they want to go and attack guys feeling pretty confident.
2: The results obviously have been very good but is this the most talented staff you've worked with we'll see what the results are at the end of the year but just from a pure talent and ability standpoint
3: yeah in totality I mean from you talk about our starters our bullpen guys I mean it's it's top of the line and you, you put these 12 13 guys against anybody in the league They'll they'll do more than hold their own, and it's uh it's impressive starting from our starters. You know the, those guys have been tremendous this year, and then you get into our bullpen. I mean, there's there, there's nothing easy about facing anybody in our bullpen, and uh, you know I think you see that when guys come up and, and fill in for some guys, and you I mean you see a guy like Casey salad the last couple of days throwing two inning stints, and you I mean shutting the door down, and it just sort of speaks to the depth that we have in this organization.
2: The hardest guy to catch among the group is oh man. Is they all, have, I mean,
3: there's some pretty explosive stuff. Yeah, you know, and it's tough because I mean, guys really throw a lot of strikes here. Glass now is not hard to catch, but he's got so much movement, even on his fastball, that sometimes you know it's you you are in defense position, just trying to make sure you ride it out and try to catch it.
2: Well, so far, you've done a really good job with that. Continued success. Thanks for some time on this week in Rays baseball. Awesome, thank you. It's Mike Sonino, and we'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on this week in Race Baseball, and it's time to take a look at the week gone by. And joining us to chat about it is Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun. And, Doug, I guess you could say the first two games of this Yankees series have been probably what you would anticipate between teams that expect to be battling out all year in this division?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we're going after first place, going into New York. We're in a good position. We're playing well, but so is the Yankees. So, you know, they got a powerful lineup. We anticipate them being able to hit a little bit. But really, it's been the pitching that's taken over so far. And, uh, you know, as much as we expected, like you said, Neil, you know, these are two really good teams battling it out. And uh, you can end up on top of the division after the series is over.
2: How important was the win yesterday? The fact that, A, the Rays bounced back from the tough loss Friday, B, they won in extras and scored a run in extras for the first time this year, and C, they got Jose Alvarado back out there and he was able to rebound.
1: I think for Alvarado, it's very important just to, you know, benefit his confidence. As a closer, you go out there, and the way that he lost on Friday was obviously a tough one to swallow. You know, he goes out, he has the lead, actually a two-run lead, and he goes out, wasn't able to get the close. And then he goes in the next day, and he actually goes in with a one-run lead. So it's actually a tougher position to get into. He's got the two, three, and four hitters coming up in the Yankees order, and he allowed the first base runner to get a hit. So, you know, him going out there and getting the save, I think that was really big for his confidence. The one thing I've noticed, though, is that the Rays, you know, they're not backing down. Mm-hmm. So they go out there and they lose the first game. But they expected to win that. They expected to win the second game, and they expect to win this game. So it'll be interesting how we play out in this last game of the series. But it's great seeing these guys overall battle with the Yankees.
2: And I kind of think that, you know, from the Game 1 standpoint, while it was difficult, loss to swallow, I kind of gave a lot of credit to the Yankees. I mean, Gleyber Torres had one of the better at-bats I think I've seen all year in in the middle of that ninth inning.
1: Well, if you listen to Kevin Cash's conference, press conference, right after that game, he went out there and he even said it. You know, he credited, before he said anything about Alvarado, He credited the Yankees lineup for having great at-bats and a great approach against uh, Jose Alvarado, their closer. And that's what they did. I mean, look, this is a really good hitting team. And the scary thing is they're not even 100% healthy. So they had some really good at-bats that night. They fought back, and they won. It it happens over the course of a long year in baseball. You know, Jose Alvarado was eventually going to give up a save at some point in time. He was perfect 4-for-4 going into that night. But the night wasn't his. I mean, he goes in there, 54 straight innings, not allowing a home run, and then the first pitch he throws goes over the right center field fence. So it just wasn't his night. But uh, that being said, the Yankees have a good lineup. And, you know, going back there with Alvarado the very next day, and being able to close the game down, I think that, that was really big.
2: And, Doug, we're talking about, you know, a you mentioned a Yankee team that's dealing with injury, but the Rays have had their fair share, too. I mean, the fact that they're on catchers number five and six on this ball club already, with Travis Darno and Eric Kratz, uh, the fact that they're missing Tyler Glass now, along with Joey Wendell and Matt Duffy, they're missing some pretty important pieces, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, they've been dealing with injuries for a long time now. And I think the catching situation in Glass now are obviously two of the bigger ones that stand out. You know, we're still waiting to see Glass now and when he can come back. Hopefully it's not too many more weeks. But with the catchers, Lazunino and Perez, I mean, obviously these guys were a big part of both defense and offense with the Rays. And missing them both and dropping down to, you know, our fourth and fifth options now, there's a lot of pressure on guys like Kratz who's had to go in there and catch, you know, Blake Snell. And what was he on the roster? Two days before he went into (laughs) Yankee Stadium and had to deal with a bases-loaded jam in the third inning and trying to figure out you know, what Blake Snow wants to do, his tendencies, how he wants him to set up. There's so many things that go into a pitcher-catcher relationship, and these guys, no. All these guys have been forced to learn this stuff almost overnight. It's been really tough for them, but it's also been almost seamless with how professional they've handled it. Uh, And it's been really great to see. That being said, it's going to be great when we are healthy and we can see what we can do with a full healthy lineup.
2: Is it tougher on the catcher or is it tougher on the pitcher? Because as a pitcher, you want to have conviction in what you're throwing and you have to have confidence in the guy back there that he can block it if it's a ball in the dirt but also confident in that guy knowing you well enough to throw the pitch you want to throw
1: yeah i think that's a great question actually i think it's hard on both honestly uh the catcher is going out there he wants to make sure the pitcher's happy he's comfortable and he does have the confidence so he's going out there almost ready to prove himself first time he goes out and catches somebody like a blake snell now, if you're Blake Snell or if you're any other pitcher going out there for the first time seeing the different backstop, yeah, you know, everybody sets up differently. Everybody calls games differently. To so have to sit out there and shake off certain pitches in crucial situations, yeah, it's not ideal. So, as a pitcher, you can get frustrated, I wouldn't say easily, because you do understand that it's, you know, the first time out there for certain catchers, there's no way there for them to know certain things. But it's easier to get frustrated in those situations. And, you know, we haven't really seen any of that so far this year, so that's good, obviously, with the guys coming in and with our pitching staff. Uh, Hopefully it can continue until we get everybody healthy.
2: From an offensive standpoint, this has been a struggle. How much of it do you think has just been the fact that the Rays are facing some really good pitching staffs with terrific bullpens here in the Yankees the last two weekends?
1: You know, I would say that it's more so – the uh, the pitching, I would credit for how they've been attacking the Rays hitters. Now, we do have some guys that were in a slump. But it seems like they might be creeping out of that a little bit. i really like to see where Brandon Lau is right now. Uh, I think he's turning the corner and he's getting back on track. You know, that's really big news for the Rays because he was mm-hmm. such a big contributor earlier in the season. And I think Willie Adonis is starting to turn the corner, too. I think he's hitting the ball extremely well. And when you got Willie going strong, Brandon Lau going strong, and then Austin Meadows back healthy, those are three guys that contribute a lot when they're going right. So I think the Rays lineup is heading in the right direction. And, you know, so far in the Yankee series, we haven't seen a ton of offense, but I think that could change going into today.
2: Well, the big question is whether the Rays can handle an opener because they're going to see one for the first time from a Yankee team since last September. I think it's kind of funny that, you know, The big market teams had all criticized what the Rays were doing last year, and now we see one of those teams using the same strategy.
1: It's easy to criticize somebody when it's different, right? So you see what they're doing. It's different. Everybody wants to say, oh, well, that's never been done in 100 years in baseball. Well, fast forward a year later, it's been working, and now we see other teams saying, you know what, that's probably not such a bad idea. So we're seeing that, you know, today with Chad Green's going to go in there It'll be interesting, though. I mean, look, we've done it for a long time now. We're very comfortable in the roles. The guys in the bullpen are very comfortable in the roles. That's not the case for the Yankees. The Yankees have never really done this. I mean, they've had bullpen days. But, you know, it's always different for a team that doesn't usually go about their game the way that they're going to have to today. So it'll be interesting how Aaron Boone handles the bullpen after Chad Green and how the, the Rays go out there and attack these guys and see if they can get them out of the game quick and see if we can get some runs up there early.
2: Certainly runs early in the game, will help a lot in winning this series today. How important is this game? I mean, there still are, I think, 27 games between the Rays, Yankees, and Red Sox after today.
1: You know, it's very important, but it's, still early in the season. I mean, it's important just for a confidence factor. It's nice to go up there, especially since we weren't able to take the series with Tampa. uh, I'm sorry, in Tampa with the Yankees. But now we go back up to New York and we have a chance to take this. And honestly, I mean, if we can win today, we would have had a chance to put ourselves in a position to win all three of these games. So I think the fact that we're playing these guys strong. Uh, that's really good, but we're showing up, and, you know, we're we're just not playing afraid of anything. I mean, we're going out there, and we're mixing it up with some of the best teams in the division, and we're showing we belong. So I I think it's very important if we can get this win today and take the series, but I think these guys are going to be confident no matter what heading out of New York.
2: Well, we appreciate a few minutes, Doug. Have a a good pre- and post-game on the TV side, and we certainly appreciate some time on This Week in Race Baseball.
1: Anytime, Neil. Talk to you soon,
2: buddy. That is Doug Wector joining us from Fox Sports Sun. Before we continue, let's pause for station identification on the Race Baseball Network.
0: WTAE St. Petersburg, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and W237CW
4: Pinellas Park.
2: Oh, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball. Time to take a look at things on the minor league side. The Rays have promoted a number of pitchers in their system lately, and one of them is now with the Charlotte Stone Crabs, and that's left-hander Mike Plassmeyer who joins us now. Mike, thanks very much for a few minutes.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: First of all, before we touch on your promotion, you've had, uh, I would call, a, a very busy first year as a professional. You were drafted by the Mariners initially and then came to the Rays in the Mariners deal with uh, Mike Zanino. Give us an idea how what you thought when you were traded, because it was really basically six months after you were drafted.
0: Yeah, I mean, you always hear about it, but you never really think it's going to happen to you, especially that early. So uh, we were just kind of sitting there in strength camp in uh, Arizona with the Mariners and got the call, and I think it was two days later I was flying home and I was with the Rays now.
2: Were you excited? What was your feeling when it happened? Because obviously the Rays have a pretty good reputation in terms of developing pitching.
0: Yeah, I'd always heard. Um, I talked to my pitching coach, and he, that was like the first thing he told me, like, you guys are in good hands now, like all that. So I was definitely excited to get there and start working with everybody.
2: You know, I'm curious a little bit about your, your story. Um, you were drafted out of the University of uh, Missouri, which I think most people know because of, from a baseball standpoint because of Max Scherzer. How good a pitching program is it, and how did it help you grow before you got drafted?
0: um they I mean, they've always been kind of known for their uh, developing pitchers as well, but I mean, I went in there just kind of a soft toss and lefty, and they've kind of developed me to help me understand pitching. I had three different pitching coaches while I was there in three years, so you kind of pick and choose a little bit from each and add to your own personal philosophy and It's helped me a lot, for sure.
2: You look at your numbers, whether it's colleges or your first year as a pro, you're obviously a strike thrower who doesn't walk many guys, eight in your first uh, seven appearances this season. How would you describe yourself overall?
0: Um, Definitely strike thrower, for sure. My dad played college baseball, and he instilled that in me and my brother both growing up, like, you have to throw strikes. Like, kind of worry about velocity a little bit later, and that's kind of come as, like, I've grown up and gotten bigger and stronger. But from day one, he always preached those strikes, mixed pitches, keep the hitters off balance.
2: Were you always a pitcher? Did you always want to be in baseball? I know you grew up in, what, the St. Louis area.
0: Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, plenty of baseball around me with my dad. My brother plays college baseball right now at uh, Bradley University. My grandpa played baseball in the Army. So I've just kind of always been around it and um, definitely had an idea that that's what I wanted to do in life.
2: Did you always want to be a pitcher?
0: Yes. I mean, being left-handed it's a little bit easier for you, so that made the decision a lot easier on me. And then hitting wasn't my best thing as I was getting older, so <laughs> made the decision a lot easier on me.
2: Growing up in St. Louis, were there pitchers that you modeled yourself after? And how often did you go to Cardinals games as a kid?
0: We went to Cardinals games a decent amount, not like a whole lot, but um, definitely a couple a year. But there was nobody really that I, like, tried to model, like, my mechanics off of, I'd say, just um, – Tried to be myself, be athletic out there, and just find a way to throw strikes.
2: And obviously, you have done that, but you also went through some adversity. You know, I read at Missouri you were a a guy who went from starter to bullpen as a sophomore, earned your starting spot back as a junior, and then was a fourth round pick. So, what changed? What evolved for you to allow you to get to that point?
0: So, yeah, my sophomore year, we kind of got. Swapped around I guess and then I was in the bullpen I struggled a little bit out of there just cuz I'd probably been a starter like my entire life so I didn't really know how to handle the bullpen as we were going but um kind of carried that into the off season said that I wanted to be back in a starting role and then obviously be like a, important in the starting role so that kind of motivated me yeah no I'd always been a starter so that just kind of pushed me to get back to that position
2: how much did you change you know you mentioned you were a a soft tossing lefty but how much did your stuff change i read a little bit about the changes the adjustments you made on your curveball grip how much did that help
0: that helped a ton so coach hallmark uh he's now with incarnate word down in texas uh as their head coach but he was our pitching coach my sophomore year and he taught me that new grip because before it was just kind of a loopy curveball and then now it's more of like a slur pretty much but it's a lot harder, a lot sharper. It looks like a fastball, a little bit longer out of my hand, so able to use that as an out pitch on hitters.
2: Give me an idea as to the rest of your repertoire. What, what does your stuff look like uh, velocity-wise in terms of, you know, peak at your fastball to, to what you use, at, at let's say, the, uh, to kind of change speeds?
0: Uh, i got a 4 seam fastball. It's got a little bit of run on it, just being from the left side, but um, usually about 88 to 90, 91. Every once in a while, I'll tip a 92. And then my slurve, I just kind of call it breaking ball just to make it easier. And that's usually about 77 to 79. And um, also a change up, a circle change grip. And that one's, I believe this year it's been 82 to 84. It changes up sometimes, it speeds up on me, but.
2: From a, uh, an analytics standpoint, the Rays have a reputation of helping guys uh, with their stuff, with the data they provide. How different is that than what you did at Missouri?
0: So I kind of started getting into more, like, the analytics with the Rapsodo, uh, at the place I trained in the offseason called P3 uh, Premier okay. Pitching Performance. And uh, they kind of helped me understand that, like, I have a little bit higher spin rate and spin efficiency. So especially with my low arm angle, it helps me to get swings and misses when I'm pitching up in the zone, kind of deception on the hitters. But um, so I was kind of introduced to that. And then the Rays, obviously, they're carrying it on. So just more information helping me understand, like, how I am as a pitcher. So how to attack hitters from that.
2: How much does that help you? Um, and, and how much has that allowed you to evolve? It's helped a ton, honestly.
0: Like, I always knew, like, I had, like, a little bit of run on my ball, but I didn't know, like, why guys were swinging under my fastball. And, you know, like, the basic philosophy is always just kind of, like, pound the knees, like, low and away, low and away. And then uh, now that, like, I understand why it's happening, I'm able to work the ball up later in the counts, usually trying to get a swing and miss on it, and, like, just kind of understand what pitch – like works well off of other ones based on like how they move and like the spin and all that kind of stuff
2: what's the competition level like among the group i know you just got moved and obviously that had to mean a lot i saw joe ryan got moved too it seems like the both a ball teams bowling green and charlotte have a lot of talented pitchers on them
0: yes for sure if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year who i thought was getting moved i would have said that everybody has a chance they got plenty of arms around here and that's really good for like making like competition amongst yourself and everything like obviously you're rooting for each other because you're your teammate but you also want to give your chance self to move up so you're constantly competing and working hard to improve your game
2: who's your catch partner and how much do you help one another
0: uh right now i'm with joe ryan we were together for pretty much the whole time in bowling green based on like other than our start days obviously but constantly just talking pitching he's working on a slider he's just like kind of asking me how that moves and then I would ask him like how like arms action on my changeup was looking or stuff like that. And just constantly like bouncing ideas off each other and like making sure that everything's looking like a fastball out of the hand and going from there.
2: Certainly it helps to be able to relax and unwind when you're away from uh the field a little bit. I saw in your Twitter account one of your slogans is wherever you go, there you are. So where'd that come from?
0: <laughs> that's my uncle Tim. Uh he's just kind of a goofy laid like, back guy and he's always said that to me my brother since we were little. But uh just kinda of take it as like don't like take it too seriously like enjoy the ride and wherever you go there you are
2: and there you are in charlotte with the stone crabs <laughs> a game of thrones fan as the oh, show winds yeah. up and and how how engrossed is the group in watching the show right now
0: you can definitely tell uh every sunday is when the new episode comes out like friday and saturday guys are getting a little anxious we got a pretty good group that all watch people get together at other guys houses and stuff and um Everybody's bouncing theories off each other in pregame and stuff like that. So we're constantly talking about it.
2: Well, I hope you enjoy the finale and uh, hope you have a continued good season ahead. We certainly appreciate a few minutes getting to know you on This Week in Race Baseball. All right. Thank you. And that is Michael Plasmeyer, the Charlotte Stone Crabs. Plasmeier pitches today, has allowed just eight walks and seven appearances for Bowling Green and Charlotte, and has a 170 ERA over 37 innings. Coming up on this week in Race Baseball, Durham Bulls manager Brady Williams and Eric Boland of Newsday. This is the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to this week in Rays Baseball. The Rays already have used 37 different players, many of them from the Durham Bulls, and we're going to talk momentarily with Bulls manager Brady Williams. want to let you know that kids can flex their biceps like Yandy Diaz on Sunday, June 2nd, when the Rays host the Twins. Fans 14 and under receive an arm sleeve courtesy of Fox Sports Sun. While supplies last, for more information, go to RaysBaseball.com slash promotions and raise up, and you can twin with Tommy Pham Saturday, June 1st, when the Rays take on the Minnesota Twins. All fans... Receive a Tommy fan bobble hip courtesy of Dex Imaging while supplies last. For more information, go to RaysBaseball.com promotions and raise up. As mentioned, the Rays have used a total of 37 players so far this year, many of them coming from the Durham Bulls. Their manager is Brady Williams. Brady, thanks for joining us on This Week in Rays Baseball.
5: Yeah, how you doing?
2: Good. Um, you guys started out this year 3-8, and eight, and with all the change because of uh, the injuries with the Rays, you're 22-8 and eight since. So how have you done it?
5: Uh, not sure. I mean, it hasn't really changed a whole lot. You know, the pitching stats been pretty same. Um, offensively, we've, we've kind of we've done the best well from, from, from day one, but uh, the pitching, I think, is the one thing that kind of stands out. Like, more recently, the um, bullpen's been really outstanding. Uh, top to bottom, again, they just picked it up, throwing strikes, attacking, attacking the strike zone, uh, and limiting, limiting their team to, to one or two runs uh, a night was pretty, pretty good.
2: And we'll touch on the pitching, but I, I want to hit on some position players because you look at your group right now. You've got three kids who aren't even on the 40-man roster of the Rays who have a 900-plus OPS, Kean Wong, Jake Cronenworth, and Mike Brasso. How vital have they been to your success?
5: Yeah, I mean, Kean Wong, you know, testament to him. He's spent part of three years here, um, and it's, it's won the bat well all three years. Uh, come back this year, and, and he's even doing better. Um, my hat's off to the kid. He's worked hard. He's, he's getting after it. Uh, he's having good at-bats, and his, his numbers are showing that. Um, you know, Mike Russo, who was coming from Muck Under last year, he uh, he continues to swing the bat, and we're moving him around uh, more recently. A little first base, some short stops in left field. against uh, some more versatility. Um, but, yeah, just overall pretty good. And Nick Solak, uh, another guy that's kind of come on late uh, the last week or two. Um, more home runs more recently more rbis Uh, continues to play second and left but uh, more recently there's more more second base so he's continuing to get better um, on on the defensive
2: end you certainly move guys around a lot Um, I want to touch on a guy who really moved around yesterday Jake Cronenworth was a two-way player in college he went back to the mound yesterday and opened for you so when did that conversation start about him actually pitching in addition to playing a very good infield
5: yeah, it's definitely been a talk of the town. So I had 24 hours we're talking about Jake Cronenworth. Uh, it's good for him, you know. He's he's um, a player that was drafted as a shortstop, but he he, he pitched in college. Um, he was a closer at Michigan. Uh, nothing really kind of uh, came to fruition until this year. And uh, we approached him with the thought of him maybe pitching uh, maybe 20 plus innings this year. Uh, initially, he was. I don't know. He wasn't really receptive at first, and he thought about it and came back and said, you know, there's something that maybe you wanted to try to do. Um, so it's been going off the last few months, just conversation with him. He's had bullpens, he's had sides, he's had live BP's, uh, and then obviously yesterday was his first outing, opening four he threw one inning, and he looked the part. He was out there. His Velo was 95-96 with a pretty wow. good breaking ball.
2: That's pretty impressive for not having pitched in, what, a handful of years? Yeah, it's
5: been, try probably been Shoot six years, maybe. Um, he always talked about it, though. He always, you know, pretty pitch. I'm like, oh, you no, know, I bet you can Just keep, playing with, keep working on shortstop and getting better at that. Uh, and he's done that. You know, he's, he's leading the league in hits. He's having a monster season offensively. Um, it's just another avenue for him to maybe make it to the big leagues um, in a different fashion.
2: So will he maybe, what, pitch an inning or two a week? Is that kind of the general thought? And then the rest of the time he'll play the field?
5: Yeah, I mean, we're not going to take away the bat by any means. We're we're not going to force him uh, in the game pitching either, though. You know, we're not going to throw him in a you know a tie game in the ninth inning. That's just not what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to get him some work, some innings, some clean innings, some low leverage situations early on to get some, get a foundation for him, and then go from there. But uh, just continue to try to, to find good spots for him.
2: Another yeah, guy so offensively who really seemed to have picked up Nick Solak since the last time we spoke.
5: Yeah, he really has. Um, you know, he's he's shortened up a little bit. Um, I also think his he was just a little his trigger was a little late and him and Dan Demanda hitting coach here uh just kind of working on his timing and rhythm um uh, starting earlier and it's translated into a lot more production. You know he's he's having the ball more more consistently, uh having good at bats. He's had good at bats, he's just not hasn't driven the ball like he has uh as of late.
2: And you've had a couple of vets I know the race haven't needed a call on them. Outfielders Jason Coates and Jake Smolinski. What have they meant to the group?
5: They've been huge, you know, uh, their work ethic, um, how they approach their day, um, you know, these these younger players see, you know, these veteran guys go about their business the way they do. Uh, It makes it easier for me, but also easier for these players to recognize what it takes to to be a big leader. leader. And Solinski's done that. You know, Coach early on uh, maybe wasn't swinging the bat well, but he he still was that guy in the clubhouse that was the same. And as of late, he's kind of taken off. and he's he's up to, I think, 280 now. Uh, like eight, we've got eight homers, and the majority of those homers have come in the last two weeks.
2: You know, we you touched on the, the top about the fact that the the pitching has been much better. You got to see Jose de Leon for the first time on rehab in Durham. How do you look to you?
5: Yeah, good. First time uh, alive. I've never seen him pitch. Some glimpse in spring training just as uh, a side or a was on a bullpen. Uh, but overall, pretty good for three innings. You know, pitch count was 45. Uh, velocity looked like it was, from what I was told, uh, ticked up from uh, years past. Um, he worked down the zone with his fastball. He, he expanded up with his fastball late, and it chained up play well. So if he continues to, to just build arm strength and, and continue to work harder, you know, hopefully he can help our big league team out in, in the near future.
2: You know, the last time we talked to him, you told us how well Emilio Pagan was pitching, and obviously it showed up here. Who has taken off since we spoke last on the mound?
5: Andrew Kittredge is a guy that, um, I mean, he's, just, he's been liked out. You know, he's, he's another guy that Elo is picked way up, and he's he's in a new split change, which is also uh, a put-away pitch for him. We all know his sliders, what it is. It's, you know, it's, a, it's a put-away pitch, it's his best pitch, but the fastball and the split have uh, complemented the, the, the slider now, and he's got three pitches to get guys out. Elo's up to 97. You know, sliders at 90, split changes at 88. And he just, he's, he's throwing strikes and one of, and downing hitters right now. It's fun to watch.
2: And Hobie Milner, it looks like also is doing okay.
5: He's another guy, you're right. You know, he's kind of one of those guys where, you know, the left handed side armor where, you know, we already have, you know, we got one up there right now in, um, in Claire. But he's another guy that, that attacked his own, he's got good stuff. Um, you know, I was, I could see him being in that role if something were to happen. But uh, he just continues to, to show that he is a viable option if, if uh, the big league team needs
2: Great stuff, Brady. Good luck today. Continued success. And uh, you, you guys have sent a lot of guys who have helped out a lot. Hopefully that continues.
5: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we do. Thanks, Neil, and uh, good talking with you.
2: Sounds good. That's Brady Williams, the manager of the Durham Bulls. Again, they're in first place right now in their division. Well, we hope they keep winning games and contributing to players helping out up here as well. Let's move on to the major league side and joining me to discuss the Yankees and the American League East is one Eric Boland of Newsday. Eric, as the race gets set to wrap up this series today with the Yankees in New York, kind of ironic that uh, the Yankees are the ones using the opener.
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you, Neil, more than anyone uh, familiar with that strategy, which the Rays really perfected last year. Obviously, Oakland utilized it somewhat, uh, too, uh, during the course of the year, but, but the Rays did it pretty much throughout the season. The Yankees did it just one time last year, and coincidentally mm-hmm. enough, the one time they did it was down in, uh, at Tropicana Field against the Rays with Jonathan Holder. Uh, being then followed to the mound by seven other guys and the Yankees won that game uh, I think 4-1 to one it was it's going to be Chad Green opening up for the Yankees and wouldn't expect him to go any more than uh, two innings and then they'll uh, they'll try to, as the cliche goes piece it together from there
1: You
2: know, obviously a different situation because in September you have so many guys on your roster there could they could have used Chance Adams to start the game do you think he'll be the guy who pitches the most innings in this game today? or what do you think they'll do?
4: I'm not sure, to be honest with you, on that one, Neil, because Chance Adams uh, really has not pitched all that well in AAA. Started the year horribly, uh, got a little bit, uh, has gotten a little bit better, but uh, the reality is the only reason he's up is because the Yankees have been so decimated by injuries, and uh, he was just sort of the the, the next man uh, up, if you will, uh, that was healthy. So I'm not sure that, that that he's the way that the Yankees will go there. Uh, they do have some of their top arms that'll, that'll be rested for today. And I would think, unless for some reason the, the game gets away uh, early on, uh, I'm not sure that, that Chance Adams will be the way that they turn there after Green is done.
2: And, and I would have thought that it was a possibility that we'd see Luis Sessa for length. Now, he did pitch the 11th inning in yesterday's ballgame, so that kind of does play a little bit. I don't know how often he goes back-to-back.
4: Yeah, he's capable of going back to back, and he's pretty significantly stretched out. Uh, you know, if this game, uh, if the game on on Saturday had gone much longer than eleven innings, Sessa would have gone back out there and would have gone maybe three, maybe four, and he's probably not much more than that. So he he has been a, a guy that's been sort of a, a a long man for them when it's been needed, and so. You know, you, I wouldn't be shocked if he got in. He didn't throw all that many pitches. He gave up the home run, obviously, to win yesterday's game for, uh, for the Rays, but didn't throw that many pitches in the inning. He retired the, the next uh, uh, three guys after that. So uh, I wouldn't rule out Seth getting in there at some point today.
2: What's your biggest, to you, the biggest surprise about this group, and how do you see the division as we sit here at just beyond the quarter pole mark, so to speak?
4: Wow, biggest surprise, that's, uh, that's a great question, Neil, because obviously the Yankees have had an awful lot of them. But I, I think you have to start with the guy that won uh, Friday night's game, Gio Urshela. This is a guy, and you've been around a long time. Uh, you remember him from Cleveland and then mm-hmm. Toronto briefly. Uh, always a, a gold-glove caliber glove, but, but nothing at the plate. And he has uh, reinvented himself, at least he has. I mean, you don't have, Don't have to get carried away with small sample sizes, and we're still at that point of the season, but uh, had another two hits yesterday in the the 11-inning loss, uh, and he's now hitting .353 uh, with an on-base percentage that's a tick over .400 uh, and just making a lot of solid contact. He said in the spring uh, he made some tweaks with his swing, uh, which, as I talked about earlier in the the segment, had not been very good. Uh, swinging the bat uh, he's looked outstanding he's done what you'd expect him to do in the field you know he, he arguably has been the the, the Yankees uh, MVP this season just based on the last month that, that he's produced uh, so I would probably go you know with him uh, but there's certainly several other guys that could uh, could fit that uh, that bill. But uh, I would probably start with Gio or Shella.
2: And then, as you look at the division, obviously right now it appears to be a pretty good three-team race. Do you expect that to kind of be that way all season long?
4: I do. I haven't seen anything from uh, you know the Yankees. Obviously, they're only going to get healthier, so so you don't expect them to go anywhere. The Red Sox are playing more like what you expected the, the Red Sox to uh, to play like. And uh, in Tampa, my only question with the, the Rays is, do they have the kind of depth to sustain a run of injuries like the Yankees have sustained? And I don't know the answer to that. I, I'm not familiar enough with their system to, to answer that. But uh, if they maintain relative health, and I use the word relative because, as you know, Neil, every team is going to face injuries mm-hmm. at some point during the season. And uh, when the Yankees were down, uh, down there last weekend, we saw uh, Tyler Glasnow uh, get hurt. Uh, that's just one example of a significant uh, piece to, that gets removed uh, for, for probably a month and a half, two months, you know, from Tampa, you know, could they sustain a, a run of four or five, six significant uh, injuries? I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, they'll probably face that at some point if it doesn't all happen in a row. Uh, obviously that makes it easier to deal with than what it does all happen at once. But it, again, given relative health, uh, the way Tampa pitches both in the rotation and the bullpen, uh, there's no reason to think that they're not going to hang around and make this a a really fascinating three-team race throughout the summer. And I
2: could argue with the fact that the Rays are on, what, their fifth and sixth catchers of the year and have not really had Matt Duffy or Joey Wendell, that those are pretty significant injuries to the group too. I mean, really the Red Sox haven't had what I would consider major injuries because Bats, Bogarts, Martinez, Benintendi, that core group has been healthy, not only last year, but the start of this year, too.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely, and and every team gets hit with it, and, and with the Yankees, it's not so much unusual uh, that they've had for most much of the season 12, 13 guys, and right now the number is 13 on the injured list. That, that's actually, during the course of a year, most teams will put, they'll end up putting 10 to 15 guys on. It just usually doesn't happen so early in the season, mm-hmm. and so, as you mentioned, the, the Red Sox uh, that that core mostly and obviously of Aldi that 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 is one that that hurts. But most of that core, particularly on the offensive side, it, it stayed healthy. And you do figure that they're going to face the injury bug at, at some point too. And you do question whether they'll be able to uh, to keep playing well. But that organization is fairly you know deep. I don't mean in terms of their system, but in terms of what they have on the bench and what mm-hmm. they can bring in. Um, and also, even though they haven't shown an inclination to, to do it based on the off season, they still have the, the wherewithal to go out and make a significant move during the season if they have to. So I I don't think you know anybody counting the Red Sox out the same way anybody counting the Yankees out based on a, a, a slow start to the season really doesn't, hasn't been paying much attention over the
3: years.
2: Speaking of significant moves, I mean, a lot of people, have, the rumor mill has been, I think John Heyman was the last to mention it, the, connecting the Yankees to Keichel. Do you see that happening after the draft?
4: I don't. Um, I, I'll die on this hill. I, I said <laughs> during the winter uh, they, they weren't going to, weren't all that interested in Keichel and everything. Uh, nothing has changed based on, on people that I've talked to on that. Um, I, you know, you never say never if Keuchel went to the Yankees, if Keuchel's representation went to the Yankees and said, sure, he'll do one year at $6 million. Okay, yes, absolutely, they'd, they'd be interested in that. But uh, based on, you know, and again, I'll be the first to step forward and say I was, I was way off on this one and people that I talked to misled me. But to me, based on, on who I have talked to, uh, they're just not in love with him uh, to the point where, where they think where his stuff is uh, matches up with what he's looking for. So if, if there's a possibility of him coming super cheap, a- absolutely you can't rule it out. But uh, I, I think it's a long shot. It was a long shot over the winter, and I, again, I haven't heard anything that uh, changes my opinion on that.
2: Eric, good stuff. Thanks for a few minutes. It certainly would be an entertaining game today, and I would imagine an entertaining race throughout the season. Uh, thanks for joining us on This Week in Race Baseball.
4: You're welcome, Neil. always enjoy talking to you, and I look forward to seeing you next time at Tropicana Field.
2: And that is Eric Boland of Newsday, and we certainly appreciate his time on This Week in Rays Baseball. Hey, enjoy a Rays game with others who have shared a special interest. Rays special events include Dog Day, College Nights, and much more. Each event includes a game ticket and a specialty-themed item. For more information, go to RaysBaseball.com slash events and raise up. Thanks not only to Eric Boland of Newsday, but all the guests that we had on the program today, including catcher Mike Zanino. And obviously, we wish him a lot of health and uh, speedy recovery from his quad injury. Doug Wechter for joining us from Fox Sports Sun to discuss the week gone by, as well as Durham manager Brady Williams, who gave us some insight into Jake Cronenworth moving to the mound yesterday to open as well as pitching prospect Michael Plassmeyer, who today will be on the hill for the Charlotte Stone Crabs up in Clearwater. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons. On next week's program, we're going to sit down with outfielder Avisael Garcia and we'll discuss his success in his return to Miami this week and much, much more. Thanks to our producer on today's program, Derek DuBose. Coming up, it will be the pregame show. Ray's trying to win a series against the Yankees and maintain their spot and first place in the American League East. The pregame show is next. We're over at the Rumfish Grill Resort on St. Pete Beach, and you're listening to the Rays Baseball Network.